Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I told the early service it's, it's hard for me. I have a difficult time with this, and I don't know if you find this true or not. Maybe I'll overthink it, but it's hard for me to say Happy Memorial Day because it's such a solemn occasion. It's one for remembering, remembering why we are as free as we are and how blessed we are, but really to remember what it costs. Setting aside days or objects of remembrance is, is nothing new throughout history. There are many of them throughout the scriptures of a variety of particular purposes and reasons, but I want, I want to just look at a few before we delve into some good activities uh, out here, fellowshipping together, eating and baptizing and playing some games. And I think this will encourage you and bless you today. Um, the very first, I, you know, as a Bible studier, I learned not only from my father, but also just through Bible school training that there is a law called the law of first mention, law of first mention things. Um, and, and it's actually quite a lot of fun to study the scriptures in that way to first find out, has this said this before? And if it did, where's the first time this was mentioned? And, um, and, and it helps you get a, a, a good, accurate look at the scriptures of things repeated throughout the scriptures and why they might be repeated that way, where it started. And so I just started there, just the law of first mention. And when it come, came to remembering or memorial, and I found the first mention of a memorial is actually found in Genesis chapter 9. And it's right after the flood, right after the Lord had destroyed much of the living creatures on the earth, including men and women uh, on the earth, brought judgment to the world because of their sin but Noah, his wife, and children were rescued and safe in the ark, as well as all the animals that God instructed him to have on the ark with him. And so after the ark rested on the uh, mountain range called Ararat, then the Lord came to Noah and spoke to him. And this is really fabulous. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 11, the Lord says, Thus I will establish, thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. Does that include our generation? Any of you expecting a worldwide cataclysmic flood? Okay. So I set my rainbow in the cloud. And it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and you. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Aren't you grateful for that today? The rainbow, the rainbow shall be in the cloud and I will look on it. I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant. How long is this covenant? everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all the flesh, all flesh that is on the earth. The first memorial was none other than the rainbow. I love this. The first memorial that God brings to us or or that is mentioned in the scriptures is really grace. That's what that rainbow represents. As Peter said later on, that we are all stewards of His manifold grace. The word manifold means multicolored grace. 
and, and the, he sits on a throne called grace. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace. And Revelation describes this throne as one that has a rainbow around it upon the shoulders of God. And God took a piece, what, a part of what was in heaven, and he put it here in the earth to show us and himself as a reminder that the judgment of the flood is past and it will never, ever, ever happen again. And God said, when I see it, I will remember my covenant between me and you. Now, this rainbow, no doubt, as I said, it's a type. It's a picture of the real thing called his grace. And in the ages to come, the scripture says that he's going to continue to unfold to us the riches of his grace. Now, Alex tried to preach my entire message this morning. I guess he looked over my notes sometime before I uh, got up here. But then the, the, that's, that's, a, that's a, a, shout, a, a type, if you will. But then we see an actual day that's observed, that God requires the children of Israel to observe a day, a day of remembrance. And this day would be called Passover. And it was to be observed at a particular time of year, in a particular month, on a particular day. And God said, I want you to do this. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 14, is that right? So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. And God wanted them to remember what he had done. When they were in, under the bondage of Egypt, and Israel had been their slaves for 430 years, but now God was bringing them out through this leader, this man by the name of Moses. And Moses came to Pharaoh, the, the, the king of Egypt, and told him to let my people go. And Pharaoh wouldn't do it. And so God began to rain plagues down upon Egypt. And this is the 10th plague. And this plague would finally break the will of Pharaoh to release the children of Israel to go with Moses to the land of promise. And it was a horrific night for the Egyptians, but it was a night of deliverance for Israel. And God gave them specific instructions to take lamb's blood and to dip a hyssop in that blood and mark the outside of their house, the doorpost and the lintel with that blood. And he said, because I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt this night. And when I see the blood, whoever's house I see the blood on, I will pass over them. That means they will not incur what I'm about to bring. And that would be death to every firstborn of every household. And there was great wailing and weeping through the night when the Egyptians realized that death had come to their homes, but none of Israel. As a matter of fact, they were all rescued because God said, when I see what? The blood. When I see the blood, I will pass over. And so every year, God called them to remember that. Remember, remember what I brought you out of. Remember the night that you were rescued from destruction. You were rescued from that nightmare of losing your firstborn. Remember that. And that was the night of your greatest deliverance when not one among you was feeble and you plundered Israel of all their good, I mean Egypt of all their goods as you left from there from the, for the land of promise. Not only will this be a memorial to remember that event in Egypt on that night, but to also look forward to the day when the Lamb of God would come and take away the sins of the world. It all gave them a picture of what was coming. It was a day. It was a remembrance. It was a type. 
of the real deal, the substance who is Christ Jesus. Aren't you grateful tonight that because of him, God has passed over all of us? Hallelujah. Judgment has passed from us, and now we have been called righteous. And the scripture says that he sees us now holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Amen. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for his blood that thoroughly eradicated all of our sins in Jesus' name. And then there was Joshua. Yes, as... as uh, Alex continued to preach my message. Joshua, who was, who was the successor to Moses, and, and he would be the one who, who would actually finish the work, who would finish the job to get the children of Israel over into that land of promise. From just that wilderness experience, from just a kind of a hand-to-mouth daily experience where God was meeting their needs, but it was just kind of surviving. But now they're coming into a land of promise where they would sow in that land and they would reap great harvest in that land where what they put their hand to would prosper. And so Joshua is bringing them over there and they go through that Jordan River as the waters do part and then gives them specific instructions, grab 12 stones and need one man from each tribe of Israel to put a shoulder, a, a, a stone up on his shoulder, and then we're going to build a monument of these 12 stones so that in the generations to come, when your children ask, what is that monument about? What are those rocks about? What are those stones about? That you make sure to tell them about this moment. Make sure to tell them. Remember that God is the one who brought us here. He brought us through that Red Sea. He brought us through the Jordan River. He did it by his power. He did it, and he accomplished what he promised us because God is faithful to his promise. Let us never forget what God has done. Let us always remember and hold in remembrance those times in our life when God has brought us into victory. And finally on this note, I think this is the greatest remembrance. When Paul the apostle brings us instruction about a, a table that we're all welcome to. This table is reserved for those who know the Lord. This table is reserved for the children of God, not necessarily for members of this church, even though I'd like to require that, but I'm <laughs> just kidding. It's for, it's for anyone who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus is the one who has personally invited us to this table. He said in 1 Corinthians 11, it says, Paul says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Doesn't this speak of the magnitude of the grace and love of our God? On the same night he was betrayed, he was making covenant. Scripture says that though we are faithless, he remains faithful. On the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. Next. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take Eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's never forget Holy Communion is not about a remembrance of us and our failures. You've been duped by legalism if that's what you think it's about. Holy Communion is about the Lord Jesus Christ and His body that was broken and His blood that was shed for our sins. And if we make it anything less than that, then we have royally screwed up. It's about Him. And Paul says, when we partake in this, we proclaim the Lord's death 
until he comes. Why is it? Now, we, we, we know Christ rose from the dead. Why is it important that we do this on a regular basis as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup? That's why we do communion together as a family. We do it the first Sunday of every month, which will be next Sunday. We receive that together. And, and we remember him. We remember his body. We remember his blood. And we understand the benefits and the purpose of his body being broken and his blood being shed so that we could be healed of all of our sickness and disease and so that we could be free from the tyranny of sin and death. We always remember and we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes because in so doing, when Jesus died, we're also proclaiming our death in that as well. We remember that we have died to sin. And now we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him who died for us and rose again. That's why Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Amen. When he died, so did I. And when he died, every enemy, everything that was against you in your relationship with God, every, every bit of unsettling, every anxiety, every sin, every worry, every habit, every failure, every sickness and disease also died. And the scripture says when Jesus went to that cross, he disarmed the devil himself. He robbed him of all of his artillery so that you and I could continually stand in victory. Amen. I am truly blessed to be an American citizen. I'm grateful to God for this country. I personally believe that we do live in the greatest nation on planet Earth. And to boot, the greatest state in the greatest nation on planet Earth. I was born in Oklahoma, but I got over here real quick. I thank God for our country. I thank God for those who dared to stand up against tyranny, taxation without representation, and make up their minds that they were going to be free no matter what the cost. The American Revolutionary War, the War of 1812, Indian Wars, Mexican Wars, the Civil War, the Spanish-American War, World War I and World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, Desert Storm, and then since 2001, the Global War on Terror 657,961 Americans have died in one of those battles. 308,800 died in the war zone itself. So we have over a million, or or over 950,000 there. Then those who were wounded but survived to this day is 1,430,290. As a country, we remember and we're grateful for the precious freedoms that we have enjoyed and continue to enjoy over the course of our country's history because there were so many who risked it all so you and I could sit here in this room today and continue to breathe free air. They paid the ultimate price to procure those freedoms. As a society, we remember and are grateful for the lives we've been able to live in safety because of those who placed life and limb in jeopardy and those who lost their lives to secure that safety 
for the rest of us. As a nation, we remember and we're grateful for the harmony that we can have with other nations because of the many who have placed themselves in harm's way and those who have died in defeating evil rulers and bringing freedom to the people they were oppressing. And as individuals, we remember and honor family members and friends, loved ones and buddies who have been killed in not only our nation's military actions, but also we remember our emergency responders all over our country, policemen, fire, rescue, medical personnel who have died in the line of duty, and we will not forget them, and we honor them today as well. As we go into the festivities of this national holiday, I want to encourage you that sometime tomorrow on Memorial Day to take your family by a cemetery. It is how we observe this day. It is how we honor this day. And visit a soldier's grave. It will be marked by an American flag. And remember as a family what we have that we obtained our freedom and and continue to be free because there were men and women who were and are ready and willing to lay down their lives for that freedom that we get to experience and enjoy. And upon that, I want to leave you with this today to remember as you go from here. Not only visit a soldier's grave, but also make sure that you have fun too because they would have it no other way. In Washington, D.C., there stands a memorial, the Marine Corps War Memorial. It's the largest bronze statue in the world. It depicts one of the most famous photographs in history. It's of the five Marines and one Navy corpsman who raised the American flag at the top of Mount Suribachi on the island of Iwo Jima, Japan, on February 23, 1945. Six men, or should I say boys, raised that flag. Here are their stories. Harlan Block, and I'm from Yorktown, Texas, and I'm the first guy putting that flag pole on the ground. I was an all-state football player, and I enlisted in the Marine Corps with all the senior members of my football team. We went off to play another kind of game, a game called war, but it was no game at all. At the age of just 21 years old, I died with my intestines in my hand, and I don't say that to gross you out. I say that because there are people who talk about the glory of war. And you all need to know that most of the boys in Iwo Jima were just 17, 18, and 19 years old. Hi, my name is Renee Gagnon. Uh, if you were to take my helmet off at the, the moment this picture was taken, you would see 
picture of my girlfriend. I put that there because I was scared. I was only 18 years old. Boys won the battle of Iwo Jima. Boys, not old men. Hello, I'm Sergeant Mark Mike Strength. I was born in Haravinia, Czechoslovakia. I'm the third man here in this tableau. I'm who all these other guys refer to as the old guy because I was so old. I was already 24 years of age. Whenever I motivated my boys at training camp, I didn't say, let's go kill the enemy or let's die for our country. I knew I was talking to boys. Instead, I told them, if you do what I say, I'll get you home to your mothers. My name is Ira Hayes. I'm the last one you see here on this side of the statue. I was 22 years old when that picture was taken. I was a Pima Indian from Arkansas. I was one of the few who made it off of Iwo Jima. I was later invited to the White House and there I met President Truman. He told me, son, you're a hero. I later told reporters, how can I feel like a hero? When 250 of my buddies hit the beach with me and 27 of us walked off alive. Imagine this, your class at school is 250 people and the 250 of you spent the entire year together doing everything and, and having fun, then all 250 of you hit the beach and only 27 of your classmates come back alive. That was my experience. I had constant pictures of horror in my mind. I was plagued by images of war, death, and the terrible loss of my friends. I died dead drunk and was found face down on the ground at the age of 32, 10 years after this photograph was taken. Hello everyone, my name is Franklin Sousley and I'm from Hilltop, Kentucky. I'm one of the two guys on the other side of this statue. I was a fun-loving hillbilly boy. One time a buddy and I took two cows up on the porch of the Hilltop General Store and then we tied some wire between the stairs so the cows couldn't get down. And we fed them Epsom salts and those cows cooked all night. I died on Iwo Jima at the age of 19. When the telegram came that would inform my mother that I was dead, it arrived at that same Hilltop General Store. A little barefooted boy ran that telegram all the way up to my mama's farm. The neighbors could hear her screams all night long and into the next morning. The neighbors lived a quarter mile away. I'm John Bradley, the last of these six men. I'm from Antigo, Wisconsin, and I was 21 years old in this picture. Doc is what they called me. I was a Navy corpsman who just jumped in to lend a hand. I won the Navy Cross for heroism and was wounded in both legs. After Iwo Jima, I lived the rest of my days a quiet and private man. 
TV and newspaper reporters would, were regularly calling my house for interviews. I gave only one interview in my life. It was said of me by an author named Ted Tommy. Of the surviving flag raisers, only Bradley was successful in putting his life back together after the war. I reckon I just did the best I could after the war. I returned, I returned to my hometown, Antigo, after the war, and I fared well as the owner of a family business, as well as serving and supporting local causes. I was married for 47 years to my lovely wife, Betty, we had eight children. I am labeled a war hero, but let me set the record straight for all of you here today. The real heroes were the men who gave their lives for their country. The global media reported my death on January 11, 1994 at the age of 70. My hometown newspaper reported my life after the war like this. John Bradley will be forever memorialized for a few moments of action at the top of a remote Pacific mountain. We prefer to remember him for his life. If the famous flag raising at Iwo Jima symbolized American patriotism and valor, Bradley's quiet, modest nature, and philanthropic efforts shine as an example of the best small town American values. I can only hope that I lived a life worthy of all those who lost theirs. Those who paid it ultimate price. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.